one last topic relating to gay rim. Uh, you know, okay. so finishing up the share psicha still. So one last uh, one, one last topic relating to that, and then we'll get to the list of Baruch Hashem, the growing list of nice temen uh, topics that people have suggested. Um, uh, today we're going to talk about gay rim in particular mitzvos that uh, maybe they're a little bit different than other people are. Uh, so first, the mitzvah pruvu. In order to fulfill the obligation of pruvu, the halacha is it's machlok tanoim, but we paskin that uh, one is only in fulfillment of the mitzvah pruvu, or maybe better said, one is only putter from the mitzvah pruvu once they have a son and a daughter. Right, a person has ten children and they are all the same gender, whether it be boy or girl. They are not yet putter from the mitzvah pruvu. Not that they haven't done a mitzvah; they've done ten wonderful mitzvahs, but uh, but they are not yet putter from the mitzvah of pruvu. What if a ger had children before he converted, and then he converted along with his children? The whole family converted. This happens all the time, uh, according to some, according to the Chalkas Machokek and Evan Ezra Seminal contest. Even if the children do not convert, he has fulfilled the mitzvah of Puruvu. That's passed in the Shulchan Aruch of Nezer Semina Aleph. It's a little bit surprising because you would think, well, wait a second. He had these children when he was a Nachri, and now he was a Gershon Skyer, and the Alech's Gershon Skyer is Kikatan Shenoladami. So whoever that guy was that had those children is not the same guy anymore. So why does it count for the mitzvah of Puruvu? If a, a man would blow shofar when he's a Nachri, he would he would be obligated in Tzkiah Shofar again after uh, he converts because blowing shofar, not that you could convert on Rosh Hashanah, but whatever, you know what I mean. It's the, uh, if he would do any other mitzvah as a Nachri, it wouldn't count. He'd have to do the mitzvah as a Yisrael. So to amplify the question, the Turi Evan points out in the Saks Rosh Hashanah that according to the Gemara Rosh Hashanah if one were to temporarily become a Shota, if one were to temporarily go insane on the first night of Pesach and he would consume matzah during his lapse in sanity, he would be required to consume another kazayas of matzah as soon as he regains sound mind and reasoning, as soon as he becomes a uh, bardas again. Because the Gemara explains the action that he did while he was putter from the mitzvah, while he was a shota, is not going to allow him to fulfill his obligation when he's chayiv in a mitzvah, when he's a bardas. So it seems quite unusual that a ger would be in fulfillment of a mitzvah puravu based on the children that he had when he was not obligated in the mitzvah, when he was still Anachri. So to address this issue, the Minchas Chinuch in Mitzvah Aleph, you know, at some point in everybody's life, they decide to take upon a Minchas Chinuch Seder, because Minchas Chinuch is so gishmak. So most people get through Mitzvah Aleph. Most people learn Mitzvah Aleph and Minchas Chinuch. So I think it is one of the most famous Minchas Chinuchs out there, because it's Mitzvah Aleph. So in Mitzvah Aleph, in the first Mitzvah, in Minchas Chinuch, in the Mitzvah of Puravu, they, they say Rav Shachti used to tell us, Rav Salvechik knew Minchas Chinuch better than he knew Ketzais and Nesivus. He knew Minchas Chinuch cold, uh, better than Ketzais and Nesivus means he knew Ketzais and Nesivus also, meaning that was like that, but that's the bread and butter of a yeshiva guy, right? Uh, he said he knew Minchas Chinuch cold because it was the Girsa Diankasa. When uh, Rav Salvechik was a young child, uh, he used to uh, like gobble up Minchas Chinuch. He loved Minchas Chinuch. So when his mom would tell him to go to sleep at night, he would hide under the covers reading Minchas Chinuch, right? You could relate, yeah, no? So he, uh, so, so he knew, like, and, we, and Shechter would, would stop and he would say, that's pretty impressive for such a young child, because Minchas Chinuch covers all sorts of topics, you know, like, you could have stopped, right? It's pretty impressive for such a young child, not only because Minchas Chinuch also discusses Kachimataras, you know, but, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so Minchas Chinuch uh, writes in Mitzvah Aleph, O Siyud Gimel and Yodalid, that the nature of the Mitzvah of Puruvu is fundamentally different than the obligation of other Mitzvahs. In order to fulfill the Mitzvah of Shofar, a person needs to blow the Shofar, and then he's completed the Mitzvah. When it comes to Puruvu, though, uh, 
uh, ha- actually having children does not signify the completion of the mitzvah. It does not accomplish the completion of the mitzvah. There is, in fact, no mitzvah to make children. There is a mitzvah to have children. Each moment of a person's life, there's this like new obligation of puravu. And if he has children, then he has fulfilled that obligation. So it's like a check every second. You have children, good. You're bekaim puravu. And if if there are children on this world as a result of him, then he has fulfilled puravu. If not, then he has not fulfilled the obligation. Minchas Chinuch proves that this is correct from the fact that the Gemara says that if Rachmanot's son, someone has children, and then they die, uh, the children die, the parents have to try to have more children in order to be Mekayim the Mitzvah of Puruvu, because uh, they don't, even though they've produced children, but it's not like a one-time thing and then you abandon them. In fact, some of the posts can even extend this, that the Mitzvah of Puruvu is not only to have children, it is to raise the children. That's why some posts can point out, I think Shlomo Kluger and others point out, that if a person is, uh, if a couple, let's say, Rachmanot's son is unable to have their own children, uh, there is a partial key of mitzvah to adopt children. Even raising children in, in your home is as if you have uh, you have given birth to them because that is a partial, that is part of the key of mitzvah. In fact, even when deciding on how large a family to have, so it's not purely at a person's discretion. If you're supposed to have as large a family as you can handle. But the question is, what does it mean you can handle? It doesn't just mean that you're not going to go insane. It means that you'll be able to raise them properly and you'll be able to care for them Properly, so that is Puravu. Uh, another mitzvah that it re- it, that Gerim relate to in a unique way is the mitzvah of Birchas Hamazon. The Chaznish Nor Chaim Sim Chavches Osios Dalad and Hey writes that one can question the logic behind the halacha that you could recite Birchas Hamazon for seventy-two minutes after eating a meal. On the one hand, one may view the obligation of Birchas Hamazon as relating to the actual eating of food, and the time cushion just allows you some elapse of time between the. Action that generates the obligation and the fulfillment of the obligation, meaning the mechayev of Birch Samazan is the achila, but it can't be that the Birch Samazan has to be done mamish the second after the achila, because that's unreasonable. So there has to be some amount of time where we give you some leeway where you say, okay, you can still bench, it's not too late to bench. That's one way to view the mitzvah of Birch Samazan. On the other hand, it could be argued that the obligation of Birch Samazan is not generated by eating per se, but by the subsequent feeling of being satiated that comes as a result of the eating. It's not via chalta uverachta, it's via chalta visavata uverachta, that it's only the svia that brings about the chiv of, uh, of birchsamazon. So the time that one has in between the benching and the benching itself is uh, it'd be the time in between when you ate and the, uh, and, and the time that you bench is not a hefsek at all, because as long as a person is still in that uh, state of Svia, he is generating the obligation of because that is the true Mechayev of Birch So what's the Nafkamina between these two possibilities? Says the Chazanish Simen Chavches, in a case of a Ged who had a large meal immediately before his conversion, he decided to, uh, you know, he's got one last chance at Red Lobster, so he goes and he, uh, I don't know if Red Lobster has bread, I assume so, but he, uh, he, has, uh, he, has, uh, he has, uh, has one last chance to eat a meal with, uh, you know, whatever, to, to go to McDonald's. So he goes and he has this, this huge meal, and then he decides he's going to go and, uh, and be Megayer. So is he obligated in Birch Hamazon? That would never happen. We would never convert someone who just came from McDonald's. But I'm saying, like, he, okay, he went to a kosher restaurant, he went to, to Crunchies, and he pre-celebrated, right, with his, uh, with his family. So now he forgot to bench because he was so excited about the Gerus that we were Megayer him. And now he, uh, he's still within 72 minutes. Can he recite uh, Birch 
Samazon. So if the actual eating is what generates the obligation of Birch Samazon, he ate when he was in Nachri, and no obligation was uh, was generated. But if it's the uh, if, if if an eating inspired feeling of satiation, meaning a feeling of svia that comes as a result of achila, is the mechayev of Birch Samazon, then even the ger who ate prior to the conversion would be chayev at, at the, that feeling of svia that extends beyond the time of the conversion. The other and more popularly cited nafkamina uh, in that is not about a ger at all, but of course it's about what? No, no one gave a bar mitzvah josh on this? It's about a bar mitzvah boy. What if a person eats a meal, you know, uh, before shkia on the night before his bar mitzvah, and then it comes time to bench after it says chavim on the night of his bar mitzvah? Can he be motzi others in birch samazon? Whether he can be motzi a gadol depends on this exact chakira. What is the mechaev of birch samazon? Is it the svia which he's experiencing as a bar chiyuva, or is it the achila which he experienced as a katan? A third and almost final mitzvah related to uh, to, to gerim that gerim might relate to a little differently is uh, davening. Uh, the Nusach uh, the is laden with recitations that reference our forefathers. Right? You start off Shemona Esrei. Okay, Avram, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov, as a reference to Avoseinu, to our forefathers. Geirim have always questioned the proper Nusach for the various Tfilos. Can a Ger say, Avoseinu? After all, biologically, it's not true. So the Mishnah Masech's Bikurim Parakalaf, Mishnah Dalid, says that a Ger does not recite the Mikra Bikurim when he brings his Bikurim to the base of Mikdush because the Mikra Bikurim includes the phrase Asher Nishpa Hashem Lavoseinu Laseis Lanu. Tosus and Babasar Dafpe'alif argues that we do not paskin like that Mishnah. Instead, we assume the position of Rabbi Yehuda, which appears in the Yerushalmi, to be the correct position. Rabbi Yehuda maintains that a ger can rightfully refer to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov as his own forefathers, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu made Avram into the Av Hamon Goyim, the father of all of humanity. So it's not the father in a biological sense. Avram Avinu is an Av. Indeed, the Rambam in a letter, a very famous and important letter uh, that's printed in Chuvas Rambam Simmem Gimel. It was a letter written to Rabbeinu Ovadia Hager. The Rambam Paskins explicitly that phrases such as all of those phrases can be recited by a ger. As a matter of halacha, Shulchan Aruch, Archaim, Simchuf, Tzaditess, Siv, Dalit, Paskins, that a ger can recite, Birchas HaMazim, complete with the phrase, Ala Aretz, Shinchalta Lavoseinu. What do you mean, Shinchalta Lavoseinu? Yeah, a ger can say, Ala Aretz, Shinchalta Lavoseinu, because our avos are their avos as well. And then, uh, no, there are two more. Uh, a, a, another mitzvah that relates to a ger. Tevil Askev, maybe I should have split this into two times. But anyway, so when one purchases utensils from a non-Jew, even if they were never used before, he has to be told the kelim in a uh, mikvah. So there's a discussion in Poskin, does the ger have to, after the gerus, does he then have to go back to his kitchen, take all the kelim and tovel them in the mikvah? Because they haven't changed possession from one person to another, but they changed people. The person has changed. The person who's the owner of the kelim used to be a nachri this morning and is now a Yisrael. So pashtus is yes. He has to tovel all of his kalim. We'll discuss it more in the shiurim when we when we get to it. Uh, b- b- and one 
final issue. Yeah, one final issue, and that is uh, yichud. Uh, when a person converts, they're considered as if they have kikadashnoladami, uh, as we've said many times. Their relatives are no longer considered related to them. So even if parents convert along with their children, halachically, on the Daraisa level, the parents and the children are no longer related to each other. So one of the problems that arise from that halacha is that it would become extremely difficult for a normal family to function post-conversion, observing the laws of Yichud with non-relatives. In in order to address that concern, there are a few different approaches in the poskim. Rav Betzal Stern, in the Tshuvas Betzal HaChachma, Rav Betzal Stern was a uh, big posek uh, in uh, Australia. Um, he later moved, but he was, uh, he, was, he was a majority of his career in Australia. I think he was born in Europe, and uh, he, was, he was the brother of the Debrecener Rav, so an old Hungarian posek. I think they say something like seven, eight uh, brothers, and two of them survived, and both of them became world-class poskim. The Betzal HaChachma and the Be'er Moshe, the rest were killed in the war. Just gives you sense of how much was lost in the war, that they were not um, more extraordinary than the rest of their brothers. There were, it was a whole family of budding uh, Tamid and we had, two, we had two survivors, and they both produced multi-voluminous works on uh, Shalos and Tshuva. So B'Sal Stern suggests that while intuitively one may feel that there should be no reason to asr yichud between a biological parent and a biological child, because there's no chance that the yichud is going to result if they're healthy people in anything, uh, nevertheless we don't have the ability to alter the laws of the Torah based on what seems logical. Dina Midrabanan, however, can often be assessed uh, and, and we may come to the conclusion that that the rabbis never intended to uh, prohibit under such circumstances. So as such, Rabbi Salster suggests that whenever the situation of Yichud is Da'oraisa, one man with one married woman, the prohibition would apply even with Gerim, who are a biological parent or child. When, however, the situation is Yichud Rabbanan, meaning the woman is not married or there's an additional man or woman in the room, then one may assume that the Rabban would not extend the Yisra to people who are biologically, uh, even if not halachically, parent and child. That is a very, very difficult psak to accept, because think about what that would mean. That would mean a mother with her teenage son, as long as the mother is married to the father, a mother with a teenage son would be in Yisra Yichud Raisa, and they could not be alone together. They would have all the normal halachas of Yichud. Rav Meish Sturmbach and Shuvus Van Agus Tafshin Ayin Vav suggests a much more, uh, I don't know, can you say, more reasonable approach, a more lenient approach. First, of Shurma points out that in the very institution of Yichud, even on a Daraisa level, there are exceptions made where the practical concern is minimal. This is not Tashin and Taimid This is built into Yichud. What's the Raya that you have in on the Daraisa level? There's a case with an Aishas Ish who's Arayos to you, and it's a Heter Gomor to have Yichud with such an Aishas Ish that's Arayos to you. What's the example? Your mom. You're allowed to have Yichud with your mother. Your mother's a rios to you. So why is it a Hatsu Yichud? Because there's no Yitzharar for a normal person with their, uh, with their own mother. So that's, uh, it's built into Araisa. A brother and a sister are, 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 are a rios to each other. And it's true, B'derach Kviyos, the brother and sister, shouldn't live alone together and rent an apartment together. But, uh, but uh, there, there is that. When, when, when with the nation's ish, who's not your wife, who's someone else's wife, and, and, and it's Baila Be'ir, the husband is in the city. He's not even in the room, but we know that uh, that she knows 
that psychologically that her husband is drunk, there's no Isra Yichud. Clearly, the Torah prohibits Yichuds in situations that may lead to further inappropriate activity. Uh, and in a case where, there's, where, where, again, normal people would not lead to inappropriate activity, there is no Isra Yichud. Furthermore, says Rav Shervach, the Ger is not considered to be completely unrelated to his parents. When it comes to the mitzvah of Puruvu, for example, the biological connection is enough to consider the parents to have fulfilled his mitzvah through having that child. So it stands to reason that for a halacha such as Yichud, the Torah would follow the biological relationship, which guarantees way fewer, if any, uh, temptations, rather than the halachic relationship that would indicate some sort of uh, isra. I think that is the overwhelming shita of poskim, that it's a heterogamu when it comes to Yichud, when you're dealing with biological uh, uh, biological relationships. I'm sure there are other mitzvahs that Gerim are, uh, you know, have unique halachas in, but these are the ones that come to mind, and uh, that concludes our discussion of Gerim. Yeah. Uh,